But you know what? Following leaders is all right because godly leaders will only ever lead you to Jesus. Amen? So I read this week about a young lady uh, who wanted to go to college and uh, as you, you do when you want to go to college or university or whatever you like to call it, uh, you need to fill in an application. There's a question on her application that said, are you a leader? Uh, so this, this young lady was particularly honest, uh, so she ticked, no, not, not really. Uh, and then she expected the worst, but uh, she received a letter from the college and it said this, it said, Dear applicant, a study of the applications we received tells us that this year our college will have 1,452 new leaders. However, we're accepting you because we feel it is very important that they have at least one follower. So a couple of lessons there. Being honest is, is always the best policy, but uh, also it's all right to follow people. It's all right to follow leaders. And that's what we're talking about today, following the leader. We're finishing Hebrews today. Uh, <laughs> joking with Henry before the service, he said, yes, thank God we're finishing Hebrews. I uh, don't know what he really meant by that, but uh, this is the 34th week of us looking at this uh, letter or sermon, or it's referred to as a brief a brief word of exhortation. Um, we've said, if we're going to summarize what's it about, we said Hebrews is all about how much greater than Jesus is than anything else we could possibly compare him to. Uh, specifically for the Hebrews, that was rituals and, and religion and earning and deserving and, and and taking too much responsibility uh, on yourselves for your own destiny, trying to earn your way into heaven, that kind of thing. Uh, so the, the central message of Hebrews is that you don't need to do that, Hebrews, uh, because Jesus is so much greater. Where does it sit in the kind of the, the long, the, the wider biblical narrative? It teaches us the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus and our need to submit to him as Lord and Savior, High Priest and King and just the, the Lord of our lives. And this text, and Hebrews in general, really does lend itself to people making a decision, uh, responding in faith to, to submit to, to the Lordship of Jesus. So we're going to give you the opportunity to do that at the end. If you've never submitted your life to Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that today. If you're at a point in your life where you need to kind of reaffirm that, where you've kind of strayed and wandered, and you're not really taking it as seriously as you should, we'd invite you to come forward as well and, and reaffirm that and, 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 and resubmit almost to him and kind of get, get yourself back on track. So if that's you today, bear that in mind throughout the message, and uh, we would love to pray with you, uh, maybe during the last song, maybe after the service, whatever works for you. But this text, Hebrews in general, lends itself to making a decision. So we're going to give you the opportunity to do that today. So today then, who do I follow? We've all got leaders of, of some sort in our lives, haven't we? And we all lead people in our lives in some way or shape or form. Uh, so this is relevant to every single one of us. It either speaks to the leader in you or it speaks to the follower in you, but hopefully both. Uh, because if, you, if you're a leader and you've got no followers, um, you're like, uh, you're like the, the Eric, Eric Carmen song from the 1970s that said, you know, I'm all by myself, and I don't want to be, I'm not going to sing it to you, I don't want to be all by myself, because with no followers, that's what you are, isn't it? You're out the front by yourself, and uh, leading, following, 
this definitely speaks into both. So Hebrews 13, verses 7 to 17, and we finished the book. Henny's thrilled about that. A bit of a change over the next couple of weeks. And if you've got your Bibles open, you'll notice uh, that verse 17 isn't the end of the book. Uh, Josh, being the kind of extra guy that he is, read just a little bit more than we want to talk about today. But we're going we're gonna to stop talking about verse 17 because verses 18 and 19 are personal requests from the, from the author or the speaker. Uh, verses 20 and 21 is a benediction, kind of a, a departing blessing, how we often finish the service. And verses 22 through 25, it's literally signing off the letter, like I'm coming, this guy's coming, this guy's here, let's prepare this. It's very practical things. But today then, who do I follow? So a guy called Tom Landry, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys American football team, once said, leadership is a matter of having people look at you and gain confidence. So then who do we follow? Who is our leader? Uh, where do we look for confidence? Who is our leader's leader? Josh just prayed for the leaders, the earthly leaders of the church, but who is their leader? And is it all right to follow earthly leaders or is, is it not all right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. And who gives our leaders their confidence and their authority to lead? So if you've not done so already, let's open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. If you're on the Bible app, all of this stuff is there for you. And the first thing that we're going to see is that we remember and we obey our leaders. So we'll read again verse 7 and 17. So Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And then verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So, Hebrews 13, 7, remember your leaders. means call to mind, be aware of, know who your leaders are in the church. And the, again, the context is he's talking about a, a Christian assembly. We started that back in chapter 10. Don't stop going to church. Make sure you're part of a church. Now, remember the leaders in the church that you're a part of. The earthly leaders, and it's really important that we say earthly leaders, because the Word of God that we carry in our Bibles teaches us really clearly that Jesus is the true head of the church. Amen? And anybody who pretends that he's not, and it's actually this other particular guy, and we kind of, you know, Jesus is my buddy, and we do it together, it's not, that's, not, that's not all right, is it? Jesus is the head of the church. It says, uh, Ephesians and Colossians, Jesus is the head of the church, and people called to church leadership are... Uh, at best, temporary under-shepherds. Jesus is the true head of the church. So the earthly leaders, remember, notice, find out who are the earthly leaders in church. And, but there are, there are earthly leaders in church. And uh, I've got a strong conviction, because the Word of God teaches so, that all the way from Adam, right through to the churches addressed in the book of Revelation, we see that God forms a leadership covenant, kind of enters into a leadership relationship as such, with a single male, who then is ably assisted by a plurality, more than one, men and ladies to lead church, because it's not a one-man job. And anybody that tells you that it is, is also not telling the truth because it's it's not it's not 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 a one man job. But right from Adam, right Genesis, right through Revelation, we see this leadership covenant. There's a guy 
And there are loads and loads of people who help that guy do what that guy is called to do because it's not a one-man job. Uh, and there's a conviction that I've got. I've been read about and studied the church in the Word of God. And uh, if you're unsure what the Bible teaches about church leadership, um, I can invite myself to your house. Uh, or we can go to a coffee shop, uh, not Starbucks, and I'd love to talk about or show you what the Bible teaches us about church leadership. If you come from a church tradition that didn't do it like this, maybe you're thinking, hang on a minute, that's not how we did it back at home. That's not how they do it where I'm going to go when I leave here. That's all right. But our strong conviction here is, is, is solely based on uh, what the Word teaches. So in our context, then, as Josh just played for the leaders in the church, it's the pastor, the elders, the ministry leaders, and actually, you're not really sure who these kind of people are. First, that's on you. We've read loads of times in Hebrews, haven't we? Get to know people. Invite yourself to people's houses. Invite them to your house. Do, do life stuff with people. Uh, but he, the writer, speaker to the Hebrews gets even more specific when he says, look, remember your leaders. And maybe you're not sure who they are. Those who spoke to you the word of God. So really first, very, very simple, first up kind of box to tick. Leader, who is teaching? Who is teaching the word of God? Who is leading the, the, the gathering, the assembly, the church, this group of people? Who is leading them in the teaching of the word? Remember, your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Then consider, we get that word again. Hebrews is a, a book where we, it's calling us to, to, to think about a lot of stuff, to understand a lot of stuff. So remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider, really deeply think about, pay attention to where their life is going, what they're doing with their life. Look at your leaders and look at their lives. Don't just judge them on, on, on their Friday face because we've all got a really good Friday face, haven't we? Come in, how you doing? I'm doing well, praise the Lord, brother. How you doing? Very well, sister, thank you. And if you can't remember people's names, you just call them brother and sister. But you, you, you do the Friday face and everything's great. And then like Henny said, you get back in the car and you go home and you're, 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 you're heavy laden and you're burdened. But Friday face tells everybody that it's all right. So remember your leaders and look at their lives Sunday through to Saturday, not just the two hours that we get together on a Friday. And then imitate, it says. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Where is their life taking them? and imitate their faith. doesn't mean pretend to be them. You don't have to grow a righteous beard, or the men you will look stunning with it. It's, I'm just going to say it, that's all right. We said this last night watching a movie, and we were watching, the, we were watching a Spider-Man movie, one of the newer Spider-Mans. And there's that uh, Jake American fella who's in that Spider-Man movie. Jake, uh, you know what I mean. And he's in the new Spider-Man movie, he's got a beard. And he came on the screen, and I said to Robin, like, wow. Men look so much better with a beard. So imitate their faith doesn't mean you've got to go home, get a high and tight haircut and grow a beard. And if you, if you do, it's going to work out better for you. That's, that's fine. But it means, it means, <laughs> that's not what it means. It means look at your leaders. Look at what they say. Look at what they do. Look at what they don't say. And look at what they don't do. Well, look at what they believe. Look at what they don't believe. Consider that. Think about that. Weigh it up against this. Because if you're, if you're blindly accepting what uh, somebody in a leadership role is telling you without 
being a Berean and kind of weighing it up against the scripture, you, we're off into weird and wacky things, aren't we? With kind of like straying towards a cult where you just blindly accept what this guy's saying without kind of weighing it up against this. So look what they say, look what they don't say. Weigh it up against the word and follow that as an example. Uh, you, don't, you don't need to be them. It's not imitation like uh, our little boy follows our big boy around and does everything he does and says everything he says. You don't have to be that, but look at where their life is going. Look at how their faith plays out in their life and use that as an example. So, maybe you're sitting and you're thinking, well, is it all right to follow people because I've read a bit of the Bible? And Paul writes about this, doesn't he? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, straight away. He's writing to the church in Corinth full of problems because it's a church full of people. And one of the problems is, look, they're kind of fractured a bit. And, and this group are saying, I follow Paul, and I like his teaching. I like the kind of the, the cut of his jib, whatever that phrase is. I follow Apollos, and there's some guy, I follow Jesus. So is it all right? Is it all right to follow people? Is that what's going on in Hebrews? Is, it? Are we, is the Bible kind of contradicting itself where Paul says, don't follow people? And the anonymous writer speaker to the Hebrews says, yeah, follow people. Well. No, that's, that's not what's going on. Because we're not kind of making a cult of personality with our leader. We're looking at the, the kind of life that they live. We're looking at the outcome of their way of life. So yeah, it's all right to look at your leaders and their lives and think, okay, he or she regularly does this. Or he or she never does that. He or she says this often. Or he or she never talks about this, this, and this. Let me check that. Let me check that against the word. Let me, let me you know, talk to this leader, get to know them. Let me weigh it against the word again. And then let me use that as a guide. Let me, let me use their life as a guide as to how we progress through this life. So do you know what? Following leaders is all right because godly leaders will only ever lead you to Jesus. Amen? So I want you to say that with me. Leaders lead to Jesus. We've got a bit of audience participation. We're going to do this together because we really need to accept and understand and live this truth. So we're going to go for leaders lead to Jesus. Can we manage the, the four words? Some people look like, no. No chance. I don't come to church to talk. Okay, so we're going to go for leaders lead to Jesus. Jesus. We do that together. Leaders lead to Jesus. Is it all right to follow leaders in your church and your faith life? Yes, because leaders lead to Jesus. And if they're in our church family and they're not leading you to Jesus, then they're the wrong person for the role. It'll be really straight, really simple. Godly leaders lead to Jesus by what they say, do, don't say, and don't do. So people Follow people who are following Jesus. And if you're leading people, lead people to Jesus. And then this goes even further. In verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So this is getting even more specific then. We said a leader in verse 7 was somebody who teaches, uh, speaks to you the word of God. We can all do that. And then here, obey and submit to leaders in the context. We're talking about those, again, that Josh prayed for, the called and installed to lead a gathering of God's people, the, earth, the earthly 
leader. And again, we're going to keep saying earthly leader because Jesus is head of the church. The Hebrews have been addressed here en masse. This letter has been read to a few people. And then they're going to go back to their own assemblies. They're going to start their own assemblies. They're going to go and plant their own churches, if you want to put modern terms on it. So, obey, where are we, 17, not 7. Obey your leaders and submit to them. And this works for us too because most of us, if not all of us, are going to leave Bahrain at some point. We're going to go back to a, a different church. We're going to start a church. We're going to, we're going to be, find one that we really agree with and be a part of it. And so this will still be true. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So remember them, consider them, follow them as they follow Jesus. And if they're godly leaders in God-appointed roles, doing it how God intended them to do it, obey them and submit. Now maybe you think, well, how do I know? How do I know if they're godly leaders in a God-appointed role, doing it the way that God intended them? Well, first, again, we've got to weigh out uh, who they are and what they're doing against this. And then you've got to get to know them. You've got to get to know people that are leading. Why? Why, <laughs> Why are we going to do this? Because they're going to give an account of what they're doing. It's, it's such an important thing that they're going to stand before the Lord and give an account of how they've done this, what they're doing here. Leaders of churches will have to give an account. This is not the only place in the Bible that we read this. Leaders of churches are going to have to give an account for, for, for what they've done and how they've done it. It's something that I take really seriously, and it's why loads of pastors are stressed beyond belief that the people that they teach, the people that they do life with, walk alongside in difficult spots, get to be alongside in the high points of life. They're so stressed because people don't put into action what they've been taught and told. And that is so stressful if you're, if, you're the, if you're the person teaching and telling, because you know you have to give an account for this. So why? Why did that person in your church family consistently and persistently do X, Y, and Z? Or why didn't they stop doing A, B, and C? Did you warn them? Did you tell them about it? Those people who preach and teach and lead with their whole lives, give whole lives to leading a church, will, will give an account. Those who are leading people to Jesus will need to give an account. And if they're in it for the wrong reasons, then we read, don't we? This is really clear. For all of us, this is going to be of no advantage. It's not going to benefit us at all if we've got church leaders in our lives that are leading churches for the wrong reasons. Of no advantage is kind of polite. It, 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 it carries the meaning of it's disastrous. It's ruinous. It's going to lead you into ruin if people are leading churches that you are a part of for the wrong reasons, and they're doing it in a wrong way. So again, get to know your leaders. Get to know these people who are guiding and shaping and teaching and talking. We've been encouraged so many times in Hebrews to get to know each other. And this is the same for your leaders. Get to know your leaders. Get to know those people who pray for you, who oversee the big picture of the organism of the church, the body that we are, but also the organization of the church. How do we how are we organized? How, all the practical stuff and the spiritual stuff. Get to know people, those who teach the word, who offer you counsel, stand before you on behalf of the Lord, and they'll stand before the Lord on your behalf, giving account. So get to know people. Find out if they're doing it with joy. Find out if they love to do what they're doing, if they can imagine being happy doing anything else. And if, if they can, 
then they shouldn't be doing it. If they can imagine feeling fulfilled and the, finding the joy that we read up there in, in verse 17, if people can find that kind of joy serving the Lord in another way, then, then they should. They should, 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 should. And again, this is not a, a, a SAR fellowship specific thing when the Lord moves you on from Bahrain. Do this where you go next. Get to know the people around you. Get to know the people teaching you. When you move on to another country and you find another church family to know, to serve, to be a part of, get to know everybody, leaders and followers. Because everybody is a leader, everybody is a follower. But get to know those people who are called and appointed to lead. This is really, really clear. Leaders in church should be recognized, honored, and submitted to. Because they're doing a, a, a God-appointed role. but they're fulfilling a God-appointed role. Just as much as the church needs godly leaders, it also needs godly followers. So this passage applies to all of us because Jesus is the head of the church. So we all lead in some way, shape, or form, some more explicitly and obviously than others, but we all follow too. This is really, really clear when we stand, when standing on the authority of God's word, leaders in church do have the right to tell us what we're doing is right or wrong. When they stand on the authority of God's word, if they give you their opinion about something, that's, that doesn't come with the authority of, of the word of God, does it? But if they're saying, like, hey, look, that's what the Bible teaches, what the word of God says about what's going on in your life, they do have authority to say that. Their opinion, no. It's another, somebody's opinion. Nobody comes to church, they are my opinion. But three people in my house, my opinion very rarely matters to them. So nobody comes to church to hear my opinion. But when you stand and you teach on the word of God, yeah, that does carry authority. So we do need to honor, we do need to obey, and we do need to submit. I read a story recently about a guy who had been uh, appointed a bishop. Uh, so kind of pastoring the pastors, uh, looking after the ministry of multiple churches in one town or city, kind of caring for the caregivers, you know, you know what I mean? And he was asked, how's it going? How, how are you finding being a bishop? And <laughs> he said this, he said, trying to be a leader in church is like trying to take a cat for a walk. And uh, if you've got cat, if you've got a cat, you know what I mean? If you lead in any way in church, <laughs> you, you know what I mean. And uh, there are, this is, let's be fair, there are some very rare cats who think they're dogs and they enjoy being taken for a walk. And you see that kind of odd person and they've got their cat and it's got a little collar and a lead. And you think, oh my gosh, that is so weird. And you maybe cross the road because... You know, somebody walking a cat's probably going to strike up some kind of weird conversation with you. You should have time for that. But there are some rare cats who like being taken for a walk. But cats mostly, let's be fair, mostly respond very badly to any kind of attempt that you make to even dare to suggest that they do something in a particular way on a particular day or not do anything particular. They, <laughs> cats, generally, will look at you and they'll, they'll look a bit offended. Like, how dare you, puny human, tell me 
the cat in this house what to do. If you've got a cat, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've led in church, you know what I'm talking about. They look people, cats, not people, but people as well. They look offended, and then do you know what they do? They look really offended, and then they just do the opposite. They just do exactly what they want to do, because that's how cats are, isn't it? So, all too often, said the bishop, not me, the bishop said, Christian people behave the same way. When presented with a suggestion, <laughs> you might want to try maybe not doing that or doing this. People look really offended. How very dare you tell me what I should and shouldn't do. And then they just do whatever they want anyway. This is what the bishop said. And I think that's especially true uh, if you've grown up with this uh, Western mindset. If you've grown up in the West, and now that's not all of us. Uh, a large majority of us have grown up in the West with a Western mindset where authority is to be is, is, is suspect. Like, so who, 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 who are you to tell me what I should be doing? Like, who, who put you in this role? How many degrees have you got? This, this authority is kind of hmm, questioned. And anybody in a position of power, it's just assumed that you're corrupt. And like, well, you're in a role of power, I'm not going to listen to you because you're probably a bit corrupt. But in, in church, there are people in roles of authority. There are people called and installed to oversee, and we're called to submit and obey and remember them. And if they're doing it properly, there's going to be a structure around them of accountability and, and responsibility. We see time and time and time again in the Word of God that the Lord calls people to shepherd his sheep. Again, Jesus, the great and true shepherd, yes, but there's a bunch of under-shepherds Remember, obey, and submit to these people. Some people misuse and abuse this. Uh, Chuck Smith said, a teacher of the word of God, a teacher of the word should teach us to submit to God, not to himself. And that's the key. That is the absolute key, isn't it? The leaders in your church, the leaders in your life, who are they teaching you to submit to? Why do we follow? We follow leaders who are going to lead us to Jesus. They're showing us the path. They're not the path. The church leaders in your life are not the path. I'm not the way. I'm not the truth. And I'm not the way to eternal life. Jesus is. Amen? I'm glad we've got that established. That's where we're going. So if you want to follow me, that's where we're going. And we're going there together. So that when you slip and trip and stumble, I'm there and we are there to pick you up. And when I slip and trip and stumble, you are there to pick me up. Because we're going there together. Amen? Good. Jesus is the way to God, not the leader of your ministry or your church. Jesus is truth incarnate, truth walking and talking. The leader of your ministry is not, I'm not. Jesus is eternal life, not the leader of the ministry that you're part of, and I'm certainly not your path to eternal life. So again, if you want to follow me, you want to follow your leaders in this church, that's where we're going, and we're going there together. You and me and us. So, remember your leaders, obey your leaders. The Hebrews have been encouraged and exhorted and commanded, basically, to be a part of a Christ-centered fellowship. Now they're told, look, when you're there, pay attention. Switch on. Pay attention to who's leading. Look at their life. Why? Because leaders lead to Jesus. And that is a fitting way to close, basically, the, the content of Hebrews, the big the, the stuff. The, the, the big stuff in Hebrews, and we've come full circle now. Why do we follow? 
Godly leaders lead to Jesus. Let's read again together verses 8 through to 16. So Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So your leaders are going to lead you to Jesus with joy. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So their joy in leading you is going to be an ever-present thing in their lives. And let's be straight, it might wax and wane a little bit, but that, that joy that they have to lead a church is always going to be there, even though it's hard. It's so hard. It's like herding cats, taking a cat for a walk, as we just talked about. Uh, I'm going to be really honest, it's the hardest thing that I've ever done. So much of it is unseen unknown, profoundly disappointing in many ways, but then the, jo the joy that it brings is like nothing else. So because of this truth, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The joy of your leaders is going to be there yesterday, today, and forever. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we read, be careful with, don't be misled or seduced by diverse and strange teachings. Strange here means kind of new, kind of novel, kind of different. A little bit ear-tickling, so you hear it and you think, ooh, I've never heard that before. This person must have some kind of profound and deep insight that nobody else in the world. You can hear how this is sounding. If, you, if you're thinking about what you're hearing at church in that kind of way, ooh, never heard that before from the Bible, then that's a bit of a, an, an alarm bell that, like, no, that's strange. That's diverse. That's not orthodox. It's not right and proper teaching. The counter to that, we read, is the grace of God, never-changing, life-saving grace. Unlike the Old Covenant, unlike food, unlike ritual meals which come and go, don't put hope and trust and faith in something that leaves you so quickly. Rituals, uh, religiosity, just being a religious, ritual meals, this new teaching that leaves the Word of God behind. It's not, you know, people think it's, some people think it's not a, it's not a map with a final destination. It's a compass, and you've got to find your own way. That's just so wrong. It's new, and it's novel, and it's a little bit different. But no. Everything that the Lord is teaching you and showing you is going to line up with what we read in his word, because he's a God of non-contradiction. So if people are claiming some kind of extra-biblical revelation, and it's not in here, then no. Just no. Nope, nope, nope. This next section, verses 10 to 14, honestly, is really confusing, is it not? There's a lot of words here. There's lots going on. It's quite complex. We're talking about altars. We're talking sacrifices. We're talking about cows and bulls and ashes. And There's a lot going on. In verse 10, we read of an altar. 
uh, and we're talking about this a kind of sacrifice. We've now got a sacrifice. Uh, we read in verse 10 that we've an altar. We've got a kind of sacrifice from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. So whereas uh, you sacrifice a bull and you could, you know, that was my bull. I'm going to have a big, uh, what do you get from a bull? Beef. I'm going to have a big meal of beef. I'm going to have a big beefy meal later because that's my bull that we sacrificed. Now we've got this kind of sacrifice, this different kind of sacrifice that we've got no right, no right to, no claim on. Naming and claiming, no. But we, we, yet we all benefit from this better type of sacrifice because of grace, because of the unchanging nature of grace. And then verses 11 through 14, we've got this body of a sacrificed animal outside the camp. The camp, we're talking Judaism, old ritualistic religion. The Hebrews came from this background, and they were being told to just get outside the camp, leave it all behind. And what are they told to do? Leave, leave the camp behind. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and identify with him, bear the reproach that he endured. And for summarizing this without talking about uh, Leviticus and Numbers and all the details, the Hebrews have been encouraged to leave the camp of Judaism, so to speak, and just go to Jesus. So, yes, it's so simple, is it not? Leave that stuff behind and just go to Jesus. Just follow Jesus. If you're not sure how, look around. And the leaders of your congregation, of your assembly, of your gathering, look what they're doing. Follow them following him. So, we are therefore, let us go to him outside the camp. Bear the reproach he endured. Leave the rituals, the religion, and just pursue relationship with him. Get to know people as you're getting to know him. Go together. Get to know him together. Identify with him. Let us follow our leader. And then through him, verse 15, let us, through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Really, really simply, what are you doing for God? What are you doing for God? Look at verse 16 again with me. Don't neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. What are you doing? What's, what, what could you say is the good that you're doing in your life? What are you doing for God? And again, we're not doing it to earn a tick in the box. We're not earning credits with him. We're doing it because, we're, uh, because we're, we are redeemed and we're saved. And the great, his grace motivates us to, to do stuff and to share. What are we doing? Anything or nothing. And then the, the question after that, and then is why or why not? If you're not doing anything, if you're not doing good and sharing what you've got, why not? Again, this is not me telling you this. This is not, do you know what? I think you should all serve in church, and I think you should all be regular tithers. That's not what I'm saying. What the Bible says, the Word of God says, when we stand on the Word of God and teach, people do have the authority to say, you should do stuff. You should do stuff because you're a believer. Don't neglect to do good and to share what you've got. Such sacrifices are pleasing to God. It's not optional. No, maybe. If I feel like it, I'll do some stuff. Maybe next year. It's not, it's not an optional thing. 
continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Living a life of worship because of the motivation of the grace that we talked about. We're not earning his love. We're doing it because we have his love. We're so thankful and grateful and just so full of it. We've got to go and share. We've got to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God to service a service of his people. And a life that acknowledges his name comes from a Hebrew word, meaning you live in a life of praise. What are we doing for God? How is our life showing what we believe? Don't neglect to do good and share what you've got. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And here, share what you have means it's quite an all-encompassing term. It means to give aid, to give participation, <laughs> join in with stuff, get involved, give aid, give participation, give communion, give self, give time, give talent, give treasure. And it's because it's all from him anyway, isn't it? And you're not taking it when you leave. So share. Share it with people. In this area, the sharing, the doing, the giving, we badly, badly, badly need to follow the godly leaders in our lives. Because this is the last area of our life to be... What's the right word? It's the last area of our life to be converted to being a Christian. It's the kind of the last stronghold that the world, the flesh, and the devil has got on your life, the doing, the sharing, and the giving. We badly, badly need to follow godly leaders in this area of our lives. People who give themselves freely, willingly, often. People who give time, talent, treasure consistently. We badly, badly, badly need to follow godly leaders in our lives for this. In 1988, uh, Time magazine did a story about selfishness and giving. And they were talking about this new fangled technology. Anybody remember these? Anybody have these in your house? Anybody get absolutely raging mad? And somebody taped over your episode? Yeah. Even though you'd written on the front, James's tape, do not record. <laughs> raging mad, a special kind of rage when somebody tapes over your program. Anyway, speaking about uh, video cassettes, uh, they're talking about Sony, the company, and this article said that Sony made a massive mistake at first. Sony uh, made this thing at the top, this beta thing. Too old for me. I'm too young for this. Don't laugh, it's true. Uh, the Sony made the beta thing, the thing at the top, and kept it all to itself, very secret. Like this is ours. This is ours. Beta things ours. And then JVC, the Japanese inventor of the VHS, the cassette, the, the thing that that we, that we all had, <laughs> shared its secret with everybody. Now, how crazy does that sound? They've invented this new video recording cassette thing. It's like the <laughs> it's the iPhone of the day. Like it's just whoa. How can you watch something on TV and it go onto this little box anyway? So VHS, JVC shared it with everybody, pretty much. And as a result, the market for recordable stuff, cassettes, that's what they're called, was so overwhelmed with VHS that you know what happened to Sony? They lost a massive, massive, massive percent of the market. And by 1987... Sony controlled only 10% of the video recording market. So if we don't share, we're not going to grow. 
if you keep everything you've got, it's, it's mine and, you know, behaving like a toddler with our time and talent and tithe. Mine, 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 mine. There's no growth going to happen. You're going to keep it and it's just going to go. And you'll look back and think, where did all that go? I've got nothing to show for it. Bless nobody with it. I'm still the same person who I was, and there's no sharing. We're following the leader, Jesus, and that means we share. Don't neglect to do good and to share what you've got, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. By sharing, we grow. It's one of those Christian life paradoxes. Like we're already saved, but we're not yet with him. We're already in the not yet. By sharing, we grow. Don't think about it too deeply, because it's not going to make sense. By sharing and giving, we get and we grow. And if you've, ever, if you've ever really put this to the test, you're going to know that it's 100% true. And I think about passages like uh, Malachi chapter 3, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. So this is not a magic formula. There's no give a hundred, get a thousand. That's just not. No. No, no, no. There's not a magic formula. This is just a general truth. Sharing leads to growth. Sharing leads to growth. We go, we let go of our earthly stuff and take the truth that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said that last week, he will never, ever, 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 five times in one sentence, never, ever, ever, ever going to leave us and we hold that as more valuable than our earthly treasure. We see others as more important than ourselves. We belong to each other. We said that. We belong to each other. We love each other because we belong to and love God. So we share what we've got. And again, look at the lives of your leaders. Do they do this? If they're a, lead, if they're, if they're a God-appointed leader in a God-appointed role, then yeah, they, they will be doing this. Their lives will show evidence of this. Share what you've got. Follow your leaders in how they do it, because leaders lead to Jesus. So, who do I follow? Ultimately, bigger picture, we're following Jesus, because he is greater than anything we've compared him to in Hebrews. Angels, prophets, the law, Moses, the tabernacle, the temple. He's greater than our trials, our temptations and our tribulations. He's greater than the pressures, the persecutions that we face in our life. He's just greater than you. Just let go. He is greater than the earthly leaders in our lives. He is greater than anything. Always was. Still is. And always will be. Amen? We read, don't we? Same yesterday, today, and forever. And part of that same is just how great he is. So who do I follow? Yes, look to the leaders in your life. Look to the leaders in your life of faith. Consider where their faith is taking them. Take confidence from that. But even more than that, take confidence from what you know to be true about Jesus. Take confidence from what you know to be true about Jesus. Look to who they follow, who is leading your leaders, and then go with them. Follow them as they follow Jesus. Follow Jesus with them together. 
Somebody told me this week that people, as people, we want something to work towards. We need a goal. We need a target. We need, you know, we like to know where we're going. Something bigger than us. Something greater than us. And I'm going to suggest to you, based on the teaching of the, of, of the Word of God, that Jesus, same yesterday, today, tomorrow, is that something that we're going towards in community together. He is the something that your life We've come, we've come full circle with Hebrews. Lots of people in our lives are there to be followed. Lots of people have spoken God's word into your lives. Maybe you've got multiple people now speaking the word into your lives. But the, the book of Hebrews started with this truth. And we're going to finish with this truth as well. So if you've got your Bibles open, just flick back to the start of the book, to Hebrews chapter 1. So Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says, Long ago, many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So our leader to follow, greater than anything the world has got to offer, so sure, so steadfast, so true, so faithful, loving, so much belonging, so much identity, so much greater than we're, we're, we're following Jesus. Amen? If you're not, if you're not following Jesus, then there is no better time than, than now, than today. None of us know what tomorrow's going to bring. It's not something that we're going to put off and think, oh, I'm going to get to it when I'm kind of old and gray and and, and, and on my deathbed, you know, I'll, I'll save it for the end. None of us know what tomorrow is going to bring. If you're not following Jesus, there's no better time than today. So as we spend this, as we spend a moment in prayer, if you're not following Jesus, I'm going to invite you to respond to this. Respond to the book of Hebrews. Respond to the teaching of the Word of God. Submit your life to Jesus. Submit to him as Lord of your life. Take your hands off the wheel and accept there's some stuff that you're never going to do by yourself. You're never going to get there by yourself. And respond to him in faith. If you're at a point in your life where you did that a long time ago, but there's no real fruit of it now, if you need to make a recommitment, if you need to rededicate your life, again, when we're praying together as we're worshiping through song, I'd love to pray with you. If you want to do it after the service, come forward. We'd love to connect with you and pray with you so that we can support you and know that we can count on your support as we're all following him together. Amen? So if you're not following Jesus, then today is the day. Come and pray with us afterwards. Connect with us afterwards. We would love to pray with you. Rejoice with you as heaven does when people submit to his lordship. So if that's you, let's take a moment. I'll say in personal prayer. Let's think about where we're at with our commitment to him, if we're, if we're truly following him with all of our lives. And, uh, and again, if not, then today's the day. Let's take a moment. I'll